Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. Joining us today is Matt Bertulli, CEO of eco-friendly companies Lomi and Pila, a company on a mission to eliminate 10 billion pounds of waste from global landfills by 2028. Pila has been around for over 10 years and has helped over 1 million customers make the switch to more eco-friendly products. Pila is famous for being the creators of the world's first compostable phone case, Apple Watch strap, and AirPods case, and fully biodegradable sunglasses, even the lenses. We're going to hear from Matt today about how he and the Lumi team fight for building teams based on trust, awareness, and a focused mission. It's going to be a great conversation today. Matt, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Yeah, man, this is going to be a lot of fun. I like this topic. All right, cool. So tell us a little bit about your background. It sounds like you guys are our product guys on a mission. And yeah. uh, I, you know, I want to dive into that. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what makes you so amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, that's subjective. Look, I'm a software engineer, a recovering software engineer. We'll go there. That turned into a marketer. So I've been an entrepreneur now for 15, 16 years. This is sort of like this group of companies is my second, like really big venture. Um, I sold my first one in 2018. And I think I describe myself like I'm a marketing product first CEO. Like there's all kinds of different CEOs, but that's like, if I'm going to give myself a label. It's probably there. Okay. So when you're talking about a product, like a product first CEO, product first company, that can be a really tall order. Like we see a lot of things like that, for example, on Shark Tank, where people try to come in and, you know, like with the one or two products and try to make a huge business out of it. Like it's got to have longevity. Sure. It's got to, you know, it's got to be something that's really easy for people to understand and for people to buy and to use. Like, what's your process then for coming up with some of the ideas for these products and then seeing how well they stick and what kind of longevity they get? Yeah, I mean, that's why I like say product slash marketing. There's lots of great inventors out there, but they never get their product to market. And you, I mean, you, you've seen this, you've heard it before, right? Like the best product never wins. So the marketing piece is where the customer comes in and where the market comes in. You know, my view is there is no business unless you can like you know, get a customer that really buys into it. And I mean, like really buys into it. Right. Like our, our goal is to always have fans, not to have customers. And that's a, a high, high bar to set for any business. I, but I also believe that like, we're going to talk about trust today, right? With teams. And I do believe that like, as a company and as a leader, like the thing you're building is trust and that trust takes time. And that's actually where like fans come from, right? Is like, they know that you're going to show up consistently all the time. That's really interesting. So just thinking about, you know, some of the products that I read in the bio, right? About mm. an, an iPhone case mm -hmm. that is biodegradable, an Apple watch strap, yeah. things like that. These are things that like you buy once 
and for the most part, forget about, but it does become part of your identity, right? Very much how totally. the iPhone itself is part of your identity. You know, the case that goes around it also becomes, and it's something, and it's subtle, right? It's like wearing the Rolex watch, you know, it's like, then you it can is. tell the guy's rich or not, right? How do you yeah. feel that, that some people buy into this? You know, is it something innate that they see or subliminal, or is it something that you actually have to go out and really punch them and say like, Hey guys, look at us. We're, we're biodegradable. And you know, and this is why. Yeah. I mean, look with peel a case, when we launched that product, like we tried a whole bunch of different like messages for different sort of like what yeah, avatar. Right. And then we, we stumbled across this customer that identified like speaking of identity, they would like very into this zero waste movement, like living with the least amount of waste. So and a phone case is absolutely, it's like one of those products that you buy and you don't really change until you buy a new phone. A lot of people change them for like fashion reasons, but it is, it's a product that's very visible. And I think that's what makes that business work so well. It is kind of like a watch or it is sort of like the sunglasses you wear. Like it's a thing that you carry around and use a lot. And then when you're in social settings, like you go out for dinner or breakfast or brunch with somebody and they put their phone on the table and they typically put it full screen down. So it's something that they show off, right? Now we had this problem in that we were selling a product, solving a problem that nobody ever thought of before, which is like, does the phone, like what happens to old phone cases? You know, we sell a billion of them a year in the world. Like where do they go? So we had to go and create the problem before we sold the solution to it. Had to do the same thing with Lomi, by the way. It's like creating a category is the hardest type of business building it tends to have the biggest upside, but it does mean that like this is a non-obvious solution to a very non-obvious problem. Both products fall into those, into that sort of line of thinking. I love the way you touched onto that because part of, you know, what we're going to talk about next is building the team in order to get everyone to think alike. Oh yeah. Right. And get everyone to be on the same page and also explore, toss around, discard. Is this avatar really who we're talking to? Or are we talking to a subset of that or just their subconscious and not their real conscious? Like, how does that work? Right. Because basically what we're talking about here is, you know, you can't do everything on your own. Right. You have to get a bunch of uh, people also to buy in and have the same values. How does that start? I mean, look, I, like I believe that if you can't get if you can't build a team and scale a team to buy into the mission, right. And the values, then how could you ever expect a, a consumer or a customer, whatever your customer is, B2B, B2C, it doesn't matter. It just, it doesn't make sense to me that if you don't have your own house in right in shape, like somehow people are going to follow you externally, like that doesn't check. So for me, like the businesses that grow the fastest are the ones that grow their teams the fastest. And that mostly comes down to like, the kind of culture you create. And then it really, if you boil it all the way down, it comes down to like how trusted is your team with each other? So like, do they, is there like maximum trust in the organization? And that means a lot of things, which I'm pretty sure we're going to get into today. But I think that that's foundational for any business, no matter the size and no matter how big your vision or mission is. Well, let's break that apart a little bit. I mean, first of all, you have to get your, you know, your founding team in order right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, your leadership team. And these are the people who are going to help you carry the flag in order to move forward, right? So yes, you have to have a lot of trust in building this team, people you've worked with before, people who come with stellar reputations. What else do you look for when you're building a leadership team to help you with this mission? Uh, so we've got a rule here, and I think anybody can just take this and just steal it, right? Our rule 
starts top down, but uh, it, it's for all hiring. So we look for three things in every single person. Um, we look for humble, hungry, and smart. And the reason we want all three is that it's very easy to find ambitious people in the world. And it's very easy to find smart people. It is hard to find those two things and also some humility. And when you're trying, we view ourselves as, as a mission with a business, right? So when we're trying to do something bigger than just like the goal of making money, the humility piece becomes really important because like doing what we're doing is not easy. Uh, it means you're going to screw up a lot. And when you screw up as much as we have to, to like that volatility to get to where we want to go, if you don't have the humble, like the team will fall apart. So my, like my executive team, the C-suite, every single one of them checks that humility box uh, first and foremost, the, the hungry and the smart are, I mean, if you're not hungry, hiring hungry and smart people, what are you doing? Right. I totally agree with that because basically what happens is that if they're not willing to go the distance and to put in the hours, you know, in order to execute on this mission, you're right. It's just like, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about the humility piece. Cause I think that's uh, because I think that's important. What kind of character traits then are you looking for, you know, like after that support the humility piece, right? Because it's not enough to just say, well, you know, like I'm all for saving the world, right? There's got to be yep. a little bit more depth to that. Yeah. I mean, the two that I'm like empathy and integrity, I guess would be the two that you go after, or at least that I would think about first. Like I, I sort of think, sorry, I believe that like trust is, we all know how to build trust. Everybody like we're born this way, right? What I think we all lose sight of is, is how it erodes over time. So when I'm looking at like building our own team, the thing that I care the most about is actually is the, all the traps and I can go through, I've got a bunch, but like all the traps that we all fall into that over time erode trust and integrity and empathy would be like the two things that you're always looking for in, in every new hire. Right. And I think that like, there's also traps with those two things. So like with empathy, you can hire a leader who is like super empathetic, but then they, they can direct it at one person at a time. And they sometimes lose sight of like the whole, like every leader in an organization, you have to remember, like you're taking care of the whole, the whole organization. It isn't just one person. And I, so like every single good character trait that you're looking for comes with a, oh, and, but here's the line that you don't want to cross with that good thing. So keeping all of those traits in line, right? And keeping everybody yeah. on mission, right? Um, I'll be honest. Um, I used to work for a credit card payment processing company, right? And there was just like one day that they like, they just told us, all right, everybody, let's all get in a room. And they all made us write a mission statement, right? And we all had to, it was like, it was like a 50 person team and we all had to go uh, uh, finish this up. I felt like I was in a Dilbert cartoon, right? <laughs> and I was just like, w wait a second, you know, like we're, do we're doing, you know, we're performing calculations, we're managing risk, we're enabling companies in order to make more money in order to yep. process uh, credit cards on the internet. Now we got to write a mission statement about it. I mean, yeah, the Google started with do no evil, right? And sure. You know, look, look where that got them. Right. And yeah, you know, and you have the think differently campaigns and just do it. What are some of the more interesting aspects you've seen about creating those mission statements and really getting people to buy in? And have you ever just okay. gotten rid of somebody because they're like, hey, you know something, you're just not embodying our core values. This is not going to work for us. Oh, God, yeah. 
I mean, we hire and fire in our values, right? Your question on mission statement is interesting. I actually, I, I believe most businesses shouldn't have some like altruistic thing, right? Like a lot of businesses, you're just a business and it's okay to just say that. Like we process credit card transactions. That's great, right? You don't need to be like, I'm here to solve, I don't know, pick a, pick a social issue. Like you just don't need to do that. It just comes across as like fake and crappy and nobody believes in anyway. So like getting, and, and number two, getting people in a room to come up with that mission statement is also just not how they work, right? Like the Google's, you know, do no evil thing came from probably one person, right? That person was likely the founder and it started there. Now, eventually things evolve. And I think that brings me to the third thing, which is whatever you think your mission is or whatever you think your values are, it's in your best interest as a leader. If, again, if you're going after trust to not hold them so tightly, right? It's, it's actually a great thing to be adaptable and even missions change. You know, like when I first invested in this company and joined Jeremy as his partner, um, and then Brad joined me, it was three of us. Like we were a phone case, like we were making phone cases out of plants. And now we've got this much bigger sort of like waste obsession to solve like a set of problems around waste. And every single year it seems to evolve, right? So like thematically we're solving for a waste, but we don't have like a very specific unbreakable mission statement. I just think that that's disingenuine. Like you can't do that. Your team's going to like, they're going to smell that. What's interesting here is that by allowing yourself the grace of allowing the mission to change, to morph, to just sort of turn, to grow up, right. And, you know, into something yep. like, I think that's one of the, you know, one of the things that's really paramount about thinking this way. You don't always have to, you know, like, yeah, we all want to save the world, but you know, it's like, you know, I challenge people all the time. Like, please give me something a little bit more concrete. Yeah. I want to save the world, but I'm not driving a Tesla just yet. Right. Right. We have recycle bins in my garage, but I'm not sitting there and and separating the aluminum from the plastic. Right. I'm just putting all the recyclable stuff in the recyclable bin. Right. So there are little things I can do and there are little things that's like, you know, something I just don't have the time for. Right. That applies to your culture too. Like in, in, in a company, like when you're building a team, I love this concept of like uh, perfect is the enemy of progress. Right. That like, like I, I don't, I don't understand where we came up with this, like the way that we evaluate people is and like how close to perfect they are. I think it's ridiculous. It's so like creating a culture where like you encourage people to like push for progress. And that that means that we're all okay with like making mistakes along the way. Uh, as long as there's like a learning that comes with them, you know, this, uh, my coach is always telling me, you know, you're, you're only ever uh, winning or learning, right? That's like the two states that you need to be in. And that little hack mentally for me is like, okay, now I can, I can teach my team this. And it's amazing. Now, like we have a culture where people are not afraid to try. So what's really cool about, there are a lot of names for this failing forward, right? Or learning from your mistakes, you know, things like that. Right now there have to be some guardrails on something like Mm. that, right? What kind of guardrails do you impose on yourself and your leadership when you're in that learning phase as opposed to the winning phase? Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I mean the fail forward and like the, you know, move fast and break things. Again, I think there's a fine line there. I, I think the goal should always be to like, do your best work. That's number one. So it's like, do your best work. And then within the constraints that you're currently given, could that, that could be capital, that could be team size, it could be calendar time, 
lots of constraints exist in business. So you always need to understand what you're working with. But I think, you know, for us and as a team, like the, the rhythms of the business sort of create the guardrails, right? Like I, I, we run on sort of like an adaptive version of EOS. So like the, the weekly L10, right. That weekly leadership meeting, that's kind of what sets the guardrails for the business. Cause like, we're looking at the important things every week, numbers, uh, like milestones, rocks, like all those things. That's where it comes from. I think values are more like if I was to zoom out, values are are sort of guardrails, but they're way harder to interpret. And I think that if you try to use values as hard guardrails in a business, they lose their effect, right? Like values are far better as like, look, this is kind of where, like, this is how we think you should all behave. And if you are unsure of something at any given revert to the values, like if there's nothing else at your disposal to, to help you make a decision, revert to values. But otherwise we have tactical, like day-to-day, week-to-week execution things. That's the guardrails in the business. I love it. Thank you so much for articulating that for us. Matt, where can people learn more about your company and how can they reach out to you directly if they want to learn more? Yeah. Lomi.com, L-O-M-I.com. It's four letters. It's really easy. And if you want to find me, I'm all over Twitter. That's kind of where I sort of like brain dump most days. Um, and it's just M Bertulli is my uh, Twitter handle. Amazing. Matt, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a great conversation. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, man. And I really appreciate you breaking down these concepts. So Yeah, it's fun. This is good. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable One Big Tip, please go to onebigtip.com guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.